0: Take our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians Hmm. chapter number 2. If you find that, we will be there in just a moment today. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Some weeks, like last week, we did several verses. This week, we're only doing five verses this morning. And so we will dive right into the message today. My title this morning is Preaching Christ Crucified, and I really believe that the Bible's pretty clear in this passage here how the Word of God should be preached. I am, uh, I'm passionate about this subject because I believe that there are a lot of people out there that do not preach the Word of God the way the Bible says it should be done. And I would even say for many years my own self, I would fit into the category of one of those that didn't preach the way the bible says it should be done and i've been growing in that At last service i was uh after you pastor for a while You start running together i think the older you get years start running together right because i would probably i was talking to joyce and the harsteads and i would for a long time just say they've been coming for for several few years but they're coming up on 12 years in just a few days that they've been coming and russ was a little bit behind joyce so it's been 11 years so when I first started pastoring I could remember the date people and I would know the years and all those things and now years go a little bit fast so I honestly don't remember I believe it was 2017. So we're looking at about 7 years ago the Lord started working on my heart about how I would preach the word of God. And I believe that this passage helped me more than any other passage in the Bible in that area. So as I preach from this passage today as we talk about here today I might be a little passionate about what I preach, but it's because I believe in it. And I believe it would help many that preach the Word of God to follow the example that's laid out in this passage before us. I also believe that if you teach the Word of God or whatever you do, proclaim it wherever, it's a great way to do it from this passage. I went to Bible college, and I was trained in Bible college how to preach and things, and this passage never was brought up i was taught how to raise my voice at certain times to get the attention of people how to draw on heartstrings by having emotional stories that help out with a message and things like that and was i don't think they were trying to be bad in those things but i think that it was that's the way i was taught and i was taught a lot of things about preaching that are just a little bit different than what the bible says we look around us today america needs the preaching of the word of god our churches need to get back to preaching the word of God. There are many churches all around us that today they will, whatever current, wor- current world events going on, that's where their message centers on. There are many Baptist churches around us that their sermons are based on their pet peeve, their pet doctrine, their standard or their preference, and they forget about what's most important when it comes to preaching the word of God. And you might say, well, since this is how to preach the word of God, I'm just sitting here, so whew, i get to relax today and uh, everything's going to be just great and uh i think it's important for everyone to understand what biblical preaching is and there's going to come a day in this church and hopefully not anytime soon but there's going to come a day where pastor brian is no longer the pastor of the church here and i could who knows i could be gone tomorrow the lord could change things who knows you say pastor you planning on going i'm not planning on going anywhere I've said before, the Lord would have to ride it in the sky to move me. Now, if one of you hire a plane to ride it in the sky, then I know real bad that you want something to change. But I want, when someone comes in and preaches in this place, I want them to preach the way the Bible says to. And someday my prayer is that when I'm off the scene, that this church would continue to be a Bible-preaching church. We need preaching. There's a difference between teaching and preaching. We need teaching it's important we also need preaching the bible is clear on it the world looks at preaching as if it's foolishness but the bible says unto us that are saved it is the power of god bible tells us in chapter one that we read last week it pleased god by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so preaching matters to god and preaching should matter to god's people today And so as we look here today, we're going to study this passage out. And there are many passages, many passages to see how a preacher should conduct himself, things he should do, but I believe this is one of the clearest on how to preach the Word of God. Let's read together today, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of words or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the pow- of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. As we look at this passage together, I pray that you guide us and help us today. We love you. We thank you for the privilege we have To be in church and the blessing it is to be in church and lord i pray that the message today would be that we had learned something from it and also apply it to our lives and leave here encouraged and may our church be known as a church that follows your biblical pattern of what preaching is we love you we need you in jesus name i pray amen so as we look here today three simple points and we'll be done this morning number one as we dive in we see what should be avoided in preaching Preaching is to herald. That's what it means, to to proclaim and proclaim the Word of God. And so as we look here, what should be avoided in preaching? First thing that we see, letter A, is enticing words. We read again verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Then look at verse number 4. It says, And my my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. And so as we look here this morning, what should be avoided in preaching? The first thing should be enticing words. You say, well, what do you mean by enticing words? Well, Paul uses two phrases between verse 1 and verse number 4. The first one he uses there, he says he didn't come to them with excellency of speech. The word excellency means something that's elevated. It refers to flowery speech or something that's designed to catch someone's ear or it might even be like when you're done hearing, you ever hear someone speak and you hear them and you're like, wow, do they have a vocabulary? I don't think anybody's ever said that about me, but I have said that about others. I've heard someone, um, I will listen to old preaching and Adrian Rogers, I don't know if anyone's ever heard Adrian Rogers, him preach, he was an orator, he used words and he could pin it together and he, the thing that he could do is he could use those big words, but then he brought it down so we all could understand That's a key when it comes to preaching. But sometimes when we look at the word enticing there in verse number four, it means persuasive. And what Paul's saying here is that his preaching wasn't designed to force men or get them to make a decision. And sometimes we do that. I remember someone told me one time, they said, your job is to reach everyone in that audience. It's not my job to reach everyone in the audience. It's my job to... to yield myself to the Spirit of God, and let the Spirit of God work through me. That's all I can do. I cannot make someone make a decision. I cannot do those things. My preaching's never saved somebody. My preaching has never changed a life. But you've got to understand something. What it comes down to is what preaching is. Paul knew that people were saved. It's by the grace of God. And the grace of God draws the lost to himself. That's what happens. It's the power of the gospel, the power of the message of the word that converts hearts and not the skill of the person giving the message. There's nothing wrong with a good vocabulary. And I believe it's good to have a good vocabulary and to try to use your nouns right and your adverbs and your adjectives and prepositions and whatever ones I let, conjunctions, it's good to use those right. Right? You say, Pastor, do you always use them right? No, I don't always use them right. But that's for those language people in the room just to keep them on their toes in the middle of a message. But you think about it, a carpenter should be good with their tools, right? And one of the tools that God gives a preacher to use is his words. So a pastor should know his words and be careful with his words. I want you to understand something. True intelligence has the ability to take something that's amazingly profound And bring it down to a simple level. That's what Bible preaching should be. Because the word of God, you ever read through a passage of scripture and be like, whoa. That's probably me every day in my Bible reading, whoa. And what do I have to do? I look up words. I might read a commentary, I might read something else to help me understand, bring it down to my level. There was one day, someone was getting after D.L. Moody, they criticized him for his simple speech. and This is what he said. I've been called to feed sheep, not the giraffes. Thought that was pretty good right there. He said, I put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the children can reach them. And there's nothing wrong with expressive language and f- these things, but you've got to understand something. We need the power of God. And I, I remember someone taught me, if you want to get someone to pray a prayer when you're out soul winning, this is how you do it. That's not my goal to get someone to pray a prayer. My goal is for the Spirit of God to work in someone's life. And if the Spirit of God's not working there, my persuasive, enticing words don't do anything. So what should be avoided in preaching enticing words? Not only that, but let it be human wisdom. We see it there in verse number 1. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. But what was he doing? He was declaring unto you the testimony of God. So not only do we see enticing words, but we see, letter B here, human wisdom. The Greeks of that day were famous for their love for philosophy. They sought out men who would give new theories and new thoughts. It isn't much to say that in the Greek world, the wisdom and philosophy that they had, they equated almost to the level of religion and maybe even past that. But I want you to understand something. When preaching is done, you don't come to hear my wisdom. You don't come to hear my opinion. You don't come for me to give you a weekly rundown of what's going on in our world or what I think about this issue or that issue. You don't come to church for me to tell you what I think about the Democrats this week or what I think about the Republicans this week. And there'll be times people will be like, Pastor, you need to be more political in your message. I don't think the Bible says that. I think Rome was pretty political in that day. Am I right? And Jesus attacked all that, didn't he? And Paul attacked all the political things going on in the Roman world. No. We don't need human wisdom. As we look at these things and we dive further into the message today, the call is to preach the Word of God. The call for the pastor, the call for preaching, is to preach the timeless truths of the Lord to the people who need to hear them. This is what Paul declared to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, I charge thee therefore before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Look at what it says there. Preach the Word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach politics. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I think it's pretty clear how your preaching should be right in that passage right here. We don't go to church to hear the pastor or the messenger give his opinions. We go to hear from the Word of God. And the Word of God is what should be the center of what is done. That might be why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, he told him, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. These things matter. The world today doesn't need my opinion. They need the Word of God. The church doesn't need my opinion today. They need the Word of God. We all need the Word of God. They need to hear the plain, simple truth of God's Word. Is that kind, if that preaching was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for us today. So there's some things to avoid. We looked at them, enticing words, human wisdom. Well, number two, what should be included in Bible preaching? Well, look there in verse number four. It says, "And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but was in demonstration of the Spirit of God and a power verse number three really resonated with me when i was pinning through these verses and them helping me paul talks about and i was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and for me the day god called me to pastor i was so scared to do it so nervous to get behind a pulpit and to preach the word of god and still doing it today the fear that comes inside my heart it's there it's always there it doesn't go away Someone asked, are, are you confident behind? I'm not. I try to get into a rhythm, and I try to remember my verse. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Right before I opened up this passage this morning, I quoted that to myself again. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And I think that it's a blessing that I'm not very confident in this area. Because normally the areas we're super confident in are the areas that we need less of God in, Right? because when we're strong we don't let him be strong it's when in our weakness they strong and Paul says here in his weakness in his fear in much trembling and his speech and his preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom but it was in demonstration of the spirit and of power so we saw already what to avoid the enticing words the human philosophies and these things but what we see here is that our preaching and preaching that comes should have the power of God on it. Paul said his preaching lacked what the world would say someone would need in their preaching, but it was in demonstration of the spirit and a power. That word demonstration there means proof. The word power means strength, authority, and force. And what Paul says, he didn't come to them in his own strength because they saw his weakness, his fear, his much trembling, but what they saw was proof of the fact that God was working through the message that He was preaching, and that's what it should be. When it comes to preaching, the one preaching the message needs to be filled with the power of God, not filled with their own strength, not filled with their own might, but filled with the power of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians five eighteen, "Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." You get drunk; you're under a different spirit. You're not in control of all things. That's why you don't drive a car. That's why you don't get drunk. That's a scriptural thing. It's called sin. And you should not get drunk. The Bible's clear on that. I think it's pretty clear. I think God is big on that. And to get in a car or anything else, that's why, because what happens is your senses are altered. So when you do that, that's why they say don't do it. So don't do it. But then on the other side of it, in a church, i'm not going to get up here drunk to preach a message at least i hope i wouldn't to this point i've never got stepped into the pulpit drunk all right but i do hope that as i preach the word of god that there is something else controlling what i'm doing the spirit of god that i yield control and let the spirit of god lead that's one of the reasons why i've switched my preaching from a bunch of topics to going verse by verse through passages Because there would be times people would be like, well, pastor, pastor, you preached at me. And sometimes going topic by topic, I could have. This is verse by verse. A couple weeks ago, you're preaching at me. We're going verse by verse. And it's amazing how what we need, the Lord applies right where we're at. It's amazing how that works. I don't have to step outside to take care of it, let the Lord take care of things. And let his power Be on display. And the word there, that proof. And Paul said the reason, you think about this, the reason Paul was successful was because the fact that the power of God was proof in his preaching. God's power was evident in it. It was not some big fancy words, it was not some enticing, persuasive message that he had. His speech was not the speech like others, but literally he had, and think about this, he had the education. He didn't flaunt his education. He preached the simple truths of the gospel of grace and God saved souls, God built churches, and God's word was honored through this preaching. If we want to see everlasting results as Paul did, we cannot impress the world, and we can't forget and we just need to forget about trying to attract the world or being accepted by the world. We need to abandon all the ideas of how to get someone to like this or do this, or whatever the case may be, and we need to let the Spirit of God have control once again. We have, a lot of pow- we have a lot of big, powerless churches today and small, powerless churches. It doesn't matter the size of a church. We need the power of God. And as the message is given, the person giving God's message needs to have the power of God on him. But may I just remind you, the listener needs to have the Spirit of God on them. You should come to church ready to hear from God, ready to get something from the Word of God. Each of us should. You've got to understand something. My preaching by itself does not help people. It doesn't save people. What does is God and His power. And when our preaching and our witnessing is carried out in the power of the Lord, it's amazing what the results will be. You know what that says? We come to the acknowledgement uh, that in ourselves, we can't do it on our own. And that we need God to do what needs to take place. When we come to the place where we realize the fact we're helpless without Him, and we're on the verge of God really doing something. Because without Him, we can do nothing. Isn't that what the scriptures say? We need Him. So what should be avoided in Bible preaching? Enticing words. Enticing words. Human philosophy, human wisdom. What should be, what needs to be there? The Spirit of God. But not only that, we look at lastly this morning. So, what should be declared in preaching? What should preaching be about? And it's amazing. Everyone everywhere has an opinion about this. And that's and that's okay. And I love it. There are, and th- this is the thing. We could look around this room even this morning. There are some here that will give me tidbits and tr- I love people that try to help me. And I also know some try to help me because they have a heart to help me and, I, and they love me, and that's there. I also know there are some that could care less about that. And I get that, and that's okay. So I love when people try to help me. I do. And I'm good with those things. But this is what the Bible says, what declaring preaching is. What is it? What are we supposed to declare? This is what it is. And even, even after last service someone was talking to me and they're like i don't totally agree with that that's okay and i gave him a hug and i said it's good but you're not the one preaching so this is what i'm gonna do and then it's all good it's all right and that's okay what should be declared in bible preaching first of all we are to declare the testimony of god look at verse one look at it again and i brethren when i came to you came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom but what did Paul do? He declared unto you the testimony of God. The word testimony carries the idea of witness. What is, what is the testimony of God? Are you ready for it? The testimony of God is this book right here. That's what it is. That's what, they're, pure, plain, and simple, it is the testimony of God. It's the witness of God. Without the word, how would we know anything about God, right? We wouldn't know anything. We get it from the Word of God. And the Bible, you know, what does that say? If we are to declare the testimony of God, it means that we should preach the Word. It needs to be what we preach. The Bible should be our text for preaching. It should not be the current event or what's going on in the world, but what the Bible says. It doesn't need to be the best-selling book declaring it, and going through the best-selling book it needs to be the word of god we're to preach the word preach it in its fullness preach the whole counsel of god not just preach our pet doctrines preach the word not just preach parts that we approve of but preach the word not just preach parts that are pleasing to others we should preach the word not just parts that are without controversy preach the word preach the bible take the bible the whole bible and make it the bedrock of your preaching, your teaching, whatever it is, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, 21? I think it's 21 or 22 is the last verse there. Whatever it is, and even if you want to include the concordance, sure, but preach the Word of God. Every word, preach it. We declare the Word of God. Secondly, we declare the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what preaching should be. Look at verse 2. For I declare, for I determine not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, and one of his goals was to try to stay out of all the little problems and all these things going on, their differences and their disputes. His goal was to preach the word and preach Christ and him crucified. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not to concern ourselves with the petty affairs of men. We shouldn't get caught up in those things. There are billions of people that need the gospel of jesus christ today and the gospel should be prevalent say what is the gospel i'm glad you asked what the gospel is first corinthians 15 verse 3 and 4 i declare unto you you have it there for us first corinthians 15 3 and 4 if i deliver it unto you first of all that which also i received how that christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures That is the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must tell about Jesus Christ, who in Romans 4.25 delivered us from our offenses and raised us again for our justification. We need to preach, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Say, well, how can you preach that and preach the whole Bible at the same time? That's what Bible preaching is declaring the word of god and declaring the gospel of jesus christ i don't know if you noticed it but every message i preach there are two things involved in it one is the preaching of the word of god and then the gospel of jesus christ now if i stood up here every sunday and only preach the gospel is the gospel great yes is the gospel what we need yes but how are we going to grow in our christian life if all you hear is the gospel and nothing else so for the saved people, there needs to be more than just the gospel and a message. That's declaring the word of God. But then for the lost and others, the gospel needs to be there. So I don't know if you realize that every message points to the gospel and points to what Jesus Christ did. Someone went up to Spurgeon one day and they complained to Spurgeon saying that all of his preaching sounded the same. All, all your messages are the same, they told Spurgeon. And this is what Spurgeon said. That's because I take a text and make a beeline to the cross. That should be the mission of every Bible preacher, to get to the cross. The Lord Jesus and his gospel should be the centerpiece of our preaching. Why? Because the saints feed on it. The sinner desperately needs to hear it. The gospel's encouraging, it's thrilling, it's just exactly what we need. (coughs) Hey, when you preach or teach, refuse to get caught up in all the controversies All the scandals, all the divisions, all the distractions, all the compromises of the day. Get caught up in Jesus. Get caught up in His gospel. Get caught up in His word. And preach it in demonstration of His spirit and His power. That's what we need today. Do you realize someday we're all going to die? It's going to happen. The rapture could happen and we might get out of here some of us but at some point it's a point on a man wants to die it's we all have a beginning date we all have an expiration date we don't know when that is i mentioned last service and i mentioned at the thursday senior lunch we had a couple that had been in our church for a long time don and betty laughlin i don't know how many of you remember don and betty and so don and betty for the past three or four years five years it's been a while i tell you years run together they have lived in nursing homes and things in their mid-90s married over 70 years And just a while back, the Lord allowed them, their daughter finally worked out, they got to be in the same nursing home. And so Don would, during the day, they would get him in his wheelchair and bring him over by her, and they would spend time together, married over 70 years together. Well, two weeks ago, Don passed away, and it was at 2.43 in the afternoon. And the very next day, at 2.43 in the afternoon, she passed away. One day apart, the exact same time. And they're both with Jesus now And praise God for that all the suffering all the pain Just the last time I saw her her words to me were I don't know why God still has me here And I think she was just holding out for her husband And she that and even that day. I remember our last conversation She was talking about the fact she was a little she's like pastor. I'm just not sure i'm saved today like betty We've talked you know, you are I know but just tell me one more time and I did, and we talked through it. And I had to, well, I couldn't talk. I had to yell in her ear because she couldn't hear anything. And she had called me three or four times a week. When are you going to come see me? And I'd say this one, I'm coming. What? When? And, she, and then I'm yelling into the phone, and I'm out in public, and people are looking at me, and, you know. But she didn't think she had a hearing problem. I know now she doesn't have a hearing problem anymore. She's with Jesus. At some point, we are all going to pass. Do you know what's going to happen when we pass? All of our pet peeves, all of our opinions are going to go there with us. Do you know what still can pass on and be given to other generations and what will be remembered? What is said in this book. It's why when you teach and you preach, it doesn't need to be with big enticing words or with all the wisdom that you have. It needs to be done in demonstration of the Spirit of God and you need to proclaim this book and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if America and our world and our churches would get back to biblical preaching, you'd be amazed to see what could take place and what God could do. We'd get out of the way and out of the way and let Him do what He can do best. Father, we thank you for these truths and we thank you for your love for us. We thank